Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Sports Radio FNZ. It is the Mac Attack. We're rolling boneless. Uh, it is Mac and Preps today, delivered by Bojangles. Bone has vowed to come back better, faster, and stronger tomorrow. And he has a statement I will read in a few minutes uh, to people who are firing accusations about why he may be out. All right. But right now, we got to bring in Mike Florio, who I'm sure is thrilled. ProFootballTalk.com. NBC, his NBC uh, Sports Network daily pro football talk show as well. He is thrilled, I'm sure, that now it's just me and him conversing. Bone's not going to get in the way. Now it's, uh, you know, we don't have to bring the kitty table in. It's just the adults speaking. What's up, Florio? What's going on, man? Who is this? <laughs> Florio, just you and me, baby. This is the way, this, this is the way you wanted it, really, right? You can be honest. Well, this is going to be a pretty short segment. <laughs> Uh, Bone is, Bone does, is there to kind of bridge between any disagreements we may have. So we'll see how this goes. See how this goes. The reference. You get the reference. This is going to be a pretty short segment. Oh, oh, move on. Yeah, let's move on or move out. Oh, I forgot all about the. That's a classic uh, WFNZ moment. Len Pascarelli, uh, football writer, hanging up on us in about two seconds. Uh, Florio. What do you think about this? I'll give you I'll open the door up for you to slam me right away, okay? Because a lot of other people are. We were talking I, I am a big fan of Matt Rule, and I just believe in Matt Rule. You know, and some people say, man, it's blind, but for me it's based on the way he rebuilt programs, albeit in college. He has to rebuild a program here. I, I just feel like he's the right man for a job. I made a comment and said there are only nine current head coaches that I would like switch like if I could snap my fingers and, and replace Rule with any of the 30, other 31 current head coaches, I would only do it with nine head coaches. And people are saying, that's ridiculous. What has he proved yet? Um, like, is that crazy to say? Or do you feel like, does that make sense at all to you that he could just be the right man for this specific job? He wouldn't be the first college coach who jumps to the NFL and does incredibly well. He turned around Baylor. He turned around Temple. David Tepper saw something that caused him to make Matt Rule arguably the highest-paid entry-level coach in league history. I yeah. can't imagine yeah. another guy right out of the gates getting that kind of money with one year as an assistant offensive line coach for the New York Giants. So there's reason to be hopeful. And look, this is the time of year to be hopeful. Glass <laughs> half full, right? But, but here's the thing. Jimmy Johnson, Hall of Famer, 
He started 1-15 with the Dallas Cowboys. So let's not expect that Matt Rule is going to instantly turn Agreed. chicken yeah. stuff into chicken salad. <laughs> totally. But he could be laying foundation to eventually have a very competitive team. Quarterback is going to be key. Let's see what Teddy Bridgewater does. If it's not Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be somebody else. But let's just wait and see. How about that? Florio had an open invitation to do what Preppy and a lot of fans did and take a shot at me, and he propped up Matt Rule. All right, I like that. I like that. What? All right, so it seems like so far so good. I mean, I know we're just at the start of this process, but, man, the lack of, of COVID tests. I think they're down, Florio, to, I, I think I read on your site, down to around like 10 on the COVID reserve list now across the whole league. Like, I, I, am I Am I wrong to get optimistic about the NFL right now? No, you're not wrong to get optimistic. You know, when the NFL started puffing out its chest a little bit last week with this notion that, you know, things are going well and there are minimal positive tests and now down to 10 on the COVID-19 reserve list, I had a coach tell me, hey, first of all, you know, we haven't even started practicing yet and games are still to come. We don't know what's eventually going to happen. And number two, let's not jinx it. Let's not get guys complacent. Let's not make people think there's a false sense of security. We still need to be able to get and keep the attention of the players. And so far, the coaches have done a good job of it. You know, if, if football coaches ran the country, uh, and I don't want to get political here, but, you know, they have a way of sending clear messages, saying the things that need to be heard, expecting the behavior that needs to be done. And when you look at what they've been able to maintain and implement with their teams, it's one of the reasons why they there are so few players currently on the COVID-19 reserve list. you got 10 out of over 2,400 players in the NFL right now. It's pretty impressive what the NFL has done. But let's see what happens once these practices unfold for a while and they, can they keep the virus off the field. And then the game's coming up in three weeks and two days, three weeks and one day when the Texans play the Chiefs and then the full slate of games that first Sunday. Will there be an outbreak after that? These are all things to be determined. Yeah, I can't, man. But at least this portion, it seems like, knock on wood, they have this portion down pat, but, you know, playing other teams, traveling around. We'll see what happens. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com and NBC. That is amazing when you think about it. Three day, three weeks in a day to that Chiefs-Texans opener. I, you know, we, we've talked to you a bunch about college football through this whole process, too, and we have something happening here in-state where North Carolina, UNC, has realized, man, we, we might have messed up here. We sent the students back to campus and big outbreaks, multiple clusters of the virus. So they've now said we're doing, you know, um, you know, learning from, you know, remote learning now. We're, we're going to have the kids off campus. But the football players are still on campus. And a lot of I shouldn't say a lot, but some talking heads are pointing out that this. How can they do this? How can they do this? They say they're student athletes. But honestly, it might be the best way, the safest way to do it for the players. Like, do you have a philosophical problem, Florio, if, if schools start, Notre Dame's going to do it too for a couple weeks, sending students off campus but keeping the football players going? Well, you know, I said early on when we were trying to figure out what sports would look like in a pandemic that you can't have college football without college. And if they don't have in-person classes, how can you have football players on campus having them practice, having them play, it completely rips down the facade that these are student-athletes. Because in theory, the football is a corollary to the educational experience, right? It's an extracurricular activity. It's something you do to enhance your overall college experience. If there is no college experience other than sitting behind a computer, it's not really a college experience. Therefore, football really isn't an extracurricular activity. And if you go forward with college football, 
and you don't have in-person classes, you are exposing the reality that it's all a money grab. And we already knew that. So yeah. I don't know anybody's going to be stunned by it, but it's, it's unprecedented for the colleges to allow it to be laid so bare. And any college that goes forward without in-person classes with a college football program is clearly doing it only for the money, and it becomes glaring to put the players at that enhanced risk when they're not getting paid for it. And I know they get an education. And we can debate all day long what it really costs the school to let one more person go to class. What's the value to the player? Are the players getting full value for what they're bringing to the table? This year, when you throw on the risk of COVID-19 for the players, for their family members, being part of this potential spread in a local community, it's hard to justify doing it. But the three of the major conferences are going to go full speed ahead. But, you know, the inability to have in-person classes may be the canary in the coal mine that causes college football to fall apart entirely. And, uh, yeah, what a shock. It's happening in North Carolina. It's happening in Notre Dame. It's going to happen everywhere. At every college town, you're going to have 18, 19, and 20-year-olds who do the things that 18, 19, and 20-year-olds do. You can't avoid that. You you definitely can't avoid that. Right. I I said this last week. The average 19-year-old is very selfish, reckless, and stupid. And that's the average. Half of them are more selfish, more reckless, and more stupid than the average 19-year-old. So those are the ones who are going to these parties. Those are the ones who are living that, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we shall die mentality. Well, you know, you may be right. Tomorrow you may die if you don't start doing things the smarter way. And it's going to, at a minimum, wipe out classes in a lot of cities, and and it could wipe out football altogether at the college level. As the NFL thrives, college football may not be able to pull it off. I'll tell you this, though. If those players in in these three power conferences, like, this is the most leverage they'll ever have, right? Like, if if they wanted to ask for things and threaten to hold out or whatever the term would be, strike, I don't know, they're not a union. But, like, these conferences need... See, I, I do... I know what you're saying, I, this is why they have to get paid something, right? Like, can they po- – are they st- – they probably will, right? They're shameless. They probably still will no, probably no, try no, to get away no, without paying the them. No, no. I think that the college – the college system, I think the presidents, the ADs, the coaches, everybody, I think they're far more terrified about long-term ramifications of the robots becoming self-aware than of the, the pandemic. The pandemic's going to wipe out one season, maybe two at the absolute most. If you get to a point where the players understand they have rights and the players have a vehicle and a platform for expressing those rights and advancing those rights and getting a piece of the pie, how do you redistribute the pie? How do you keep your non-revenue sports afloat? How do you continue to line the pockets of the presidents, the ADs, and the coaches with the salaries they currently get? When you have already baked into the system a budgeting process that doesn't have a line item for actually paying the players, and then all of a sudden you have to add that in there and it would be a big line item, it screws up everything. That's what they've been trying to avoid. And I feel like for the last 10 years they've been on the run, that they know that yeah. the reckoning is coming. Oh, it's coming. And I think their attitude is the more we can stave it off, it's, it's good. Let's, if, it, if it's coming, fine. Let's just push it as far into the future as we can. And yeah. I feel like that's part of what's also let's, going on. Now. Let's not give up that money until we really have to, you know, is, to, is what it is. Florio, you are the man. We made it through without bone, no skirmishes or anything. You actually kind of defended me on Matt Rule as well, so I appreciate that. Profootballtalk.com, y'all, the best NFL really site out there. You're really, you're really <laughs> asking for something on the way. You don't, see, yeah, you don't want to leave on good terms, do you? 
You don't want me to be happy with the way this conversation went without Bone. I can tell. I can tell. I'm in a decent mood today, or at least I was before. I <laughs> you are. You are very chill. It must be the NFL coming in three weeks in a day. Florio, be good. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you, man.